Uh, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Anxious for Nothing, Finding uh, Comfort in a Chaotic World. And we've been looking at how God helps us deal with our anxiety. We all wrestle with anxiety in our lives. Uh, we've been looking uh, at a book uh, by Max Licato. Uh, it's the same title, uh, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, you don't have to have read the book to be in the message series, but if you do want to grab this, it does enhance that. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here uh, by Max Licato. And so we've been talking about uh, what it means to be anxious. Here's a definition we've been using. Uh, it means uh, it's characterized by extreme uneasiness of mind or brooding fear about some contingency. Worried. Uh, it comes from the Latin word anxious. We feel choked in our lives by anxiety. We all have levels of anxiety, and some of us suffer from what's called an anxiety disorder. Uh, it takes it up, uh, ratchets it up several levels, right? Anxiety is intense, excessive, and does not go away. It gets worse over time, and some of the symptoms interfere with our daily activities, such as job performance, school, and relationships. If this sounds like you, then uh, God's certainly able to help you, but it also might be that God's calling you maybe to seek some professional help, maybe from a doctor or from a counselor. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and I would love to talk to you if this is something that, that you might want to explore. We can help you with that. So we all have different levels of anxiety. Remember, anxiety is not a sin. Uh, it's an emotion, and it's an everyday emotion that can help us, but sometimes it gets out of, out of hand and it overwhelms our lives when it doesn't need to do that. So we're looking at how God can help us do that. And we've been in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, specifically chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Uh, this is written by a, a pastor named Paul in the first century in the Mediterranean world, writing to some Christians. Uh, and so uh, we're breaking that down into an acronym of CALM, C-A-L-M. And so the first couple of Sundays we did uh, celebrate God's goodness, ask God for help. And today we're on the L, leave your concerns with God. So glad you're here today with whatever anxiety you brought in the room. And we'll look to God to help us as we want to deal with that in healthy and spiritual ways. I want to ask you, what do you think is the widest river in the world? Would that be the Amazon River, the Nile River? Would that be the Mississippi River, the widest river in the world? I actually don't know the answer to that question, but I want to share a different kind of river, a metaphorical river, uh, that I think we stand on the banks of this metaphorical river, and the river is known as If Only, the If Only River. If only I were thinner, I would be living life to the full. If only I had a little bit more money, I would be living life to the full. If only my kids were home from college, I would be happy and living life to the full. If only my kids would go away to college, I would be living life to the full and be happy. Do you know what it's like to stand on the riverbank of the if-only river? What would be your if-only? What would make your life happy? What would make your life full? If only what would happen in your life? And if you've stood on the banks of the if-only river like I've stood on the banks of the if-only river, those banks, uh, that river seems to get wider and wider and wider, right? If only I had this, I would be happy. I get it, and I'm happy for a little while, but then it kind of wears off, and now, if only I would have the next thing, right? This is a river that's impossible for us to cross, and I think when we're playing the if-only game, we're adding a lot of anxiety to our life, and today, Paul, through his scripture, uh, is going to teach us how to get 
over this if-only challenge. And this is a point that we're going to be looking at. Uh, The good life begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitude toward them does. The good life begins not when our circumstances change, if only this would happen, but the good life begins when our attitude towards our current circumstances change. Last week, we looked at a verse uh, from Philippians. I want to bring that back up today. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, we talked about pretty much every word in that verse last week. If you missed that, you can jump onto our website. You can watch that last week. But you might have noticed there's two words that I didn't highlight last week that I want to highlight today is the words with thanksgiving do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God studies have shown that uh, an attitude of gratitude does miraculous things it's like a miracle cure when we're grateful in our lives our anxiety levels will shrink when we are grateful in our lives we will be happier We will have better relationships. We will sleep better. We'll have better uh, self-confidence and self-esteem. We'll be less materialistic. We'll be less envious. Uh, We'll be less self-centered. Gratitude is a miracle cure for anxiety. Uh, Here's a quote again. Uh, Gratitude leads us, right, from if only to already. Right? So with, with gratitude, instead of saying, I'll be happy if only this happens, I'll live a good life if only this happens, right? rather than focusing on what could make us happy, we look at, what do I already have? What has God already given me? God, you've already given me friends, you've given me family, you've given me health, you've given me life, you've given me a purpose, you've given me the sunrise, you've given me the sunset. What are the things in your life that God has already given to you? Spend some time focusing on what you have rather than what you're chasing. Instead of if only, we shift to already. With thanksgiving, we go to God. I was talking with one of our uh, members of our church a couple of weeks ago after the service and He said to me, he said, Pastor Kyle, I've discovered in my life that I have more than I ever thought that I did. He said, at at night when I'm praying uh, in my room, uh, in my bedroom before I go to bed, when I list the things in my life that I am grateful for that I already have, it takes me 45 minutes every night. Isn't that a powerful testimony? Someone in our congregation taking time to thank God for the things that he has in his life 45 minutes a night. What if you were to do that today? To go home in your prayer time to God and start listing the things that you're grateful for that have already happened in your life, what would that do? It doesn't take away our problems. It doesn't take away our stress. There's still things that we face. There's still some powerful things that we need to deal with. But it gives us balance and it shows us that God is already working in our life and that gratitude can help us stave off the power of anxiety in our lives. What do we have? So uh, another quote here, focus more on what you have and less on what you do not have. 
want to jump ahead just a couple of verses. We've been in this Philippians 4, 4 through 8. We're going to be in that for in another week or so. But I want to go a couple of verses past that and see what Paul writes. We're going to jump down beginning with verse 11. So we've been through 4. We're going to get through 8 next week. But I want to jump down to 11. Right? Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Right? And let's go to 12 now. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I've had great circumstances, and I've had terrible circumstances, and I've had a mixture of good and bad circumstances. And Paul says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. And what's interesting about this this verse is that, what does he say? I've learned the principle. I've learned the concept. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I have learned the what? The secret. Why do you think he uses the word secret? Because many people in our world haven't figured out the secret, right? The secret to a good life, the secret to joy, the secret to dealing with anxiety. The secret is, right, to be grateful for the great things that we have. And that's a great way for us to start. Is this a secret that you think is worth having? Now, I want to put a disclaimer here, and, and, and I want to say, like, if you are in an abusive relationship or someone's doing great harm to you, God's not saying to you, be content in those circumstances. That's not the message, not at all. You can fight that. You can get away from that, right? That's not what, what Paul's saying. But what he's saying is for, for most of us in our lives, we have stress and anxiety that's real, and we don't want to minimize that at all. But we also have good things in our lives that we don't always recognize. And we begin to list those things. The alreadys are going to outweigh the if-onlys. And so this is a secret that Paul tells us that we should focus on. Right. Uh, I want to give you another phrase here, contingent com- contentment. That means that our contentment in our lives, we usually think is contingent upon certain circumstances. I'll be content if this happens. I'll be happy if this happens, right? And, and for some of us, it's a material thing. I'll be happy when I get a better car. I'll be happy when I get a nicer house or live in a nicer neighborhood, right? It's there's things that we want to get. And, and these things are good in our lives. But if we're relying on them to fulfill us, we're going to be disappointed. Because I don't know about you, but when I get something like a new car or a new house or a new gadget or gizmo, it brings me a lot of joy for a little while. But then the magic wears off and I just kind of like, yeah, I got that. And I'm chasing something else, right? The next thing down the line. And so there's some flaws in that if we're looking for stuff to make us happy and content. That's also true of bigger and more important things, right? I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy when I graduate from college. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have a child. And all those things do bring joy and happiness, but they're not perfect, right? In our retirement, we still face problems. In our marriages, we face problems. With our children, we face problems, right? And so we can't look to all those things to make our lives perfect either, right? And so with the good and the bad, we have to look at what in these circumstances can we be grateful for and find contentment in, right? And so uh, 
a couple quotes here. What you have, right, in Christ is greater than anything uh, that you don't have in life. What's interesting about Paul in the letter to the Philippians is that he focuses on other things that he finds contentment in. He focuses on salvation. He focuses on forgiveness. He focuses on a relationship with God. There's like 104 verses in Philippians, uh, and he mentions Jesus like every two and a half verses. What Paul finds that brings him contentment is a relationship with Christ. The other things in life are good, and they're important, and they bring us joy, especially our relationships with other people. But ultimately, what brings us the greatest contentment is a relationship with Christ. And for Paul, that was it, right? Paul went through some good circumstances. He went through hard circumstances. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten up. He'd been almost killed. He'd been arrested. He was going to be killed at some point. And all of that, nothing took away his contentment because he had Jesus. You bring that quote up one more time. Skip back one more. What you have in Christ is greater than anything you don't have in life. Don't you think about that? What you have in Christ is greater than anything that you don't have in life. And then the next slide, right? Replace your if only, right? If only I get this, I would be happy with already. What has God already done for me? He's created me in his image. He has plans for my life. I have gifts and abilities to make the world a better place, right? He forgives me when I do wrong things. He died for me on a cross and came back to life so that I can have joy and peace and life to the full, right? What has God already done for you? Use that as an antidote for anxiety about the if only things that you're chasing after in your life. Last year, uh, my son and I, my son Nathan and I watched an, an older movie. It's older for me. He'd never seen it. Uh, but it's called The Perfect Storm. Has anybody ever seen that movie? Uh, it stars uh, George Clooney. And so it's a, it's a movie based on a real story. Uh, he's a fisherman out of Massachusetts. Uh, and he and his group and his crew go out. And they're trying to get this miraculous catch because they got to feed their families and they're out way out in the ocean and a perfect storm happens like three different storm fronts converge like hurricane type weather on one spot and it's the spot where his boat is spoiler alert they don't make it back right it's it's bad and it's based on a real story and so these people die it's like the perfect storm happens to them And I think you would agree with me that you don't have to be a sailor or a fisherman on the ocean to have perfect storms happen in your life. In our lives, sometimes bad things happen and they happen in numbers, right? And they kind of like gang up on us. And so how do we deal with anxiety when that happens, right? Okay, so I just lost my job. That's bad enough. But I lost my job in a recession and no one's hiring, right? So it's like the perfect storm that comes, Oh, my boyfriend and my girlfriend just dumped me, and that's bad, and that's terrible. And also, the college that I wanted to get into, they rejected me as well, right? It's like the perfect storm comes together. I get a, 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 a diagnosis medically that I have this terrible disease, and also my company's moving me across the country to a place that I don't want to live, right? Forces in the world coming together to create perfect storms in our lives, what perfect storm are you facing right now where it's the convergent of not just one anxious, anxiety-inducing uh, circumstance, but there's more than one? Maybe it's two or three or maybe it's four, and they're all coming together, and you feel the crush of this, and you're dealing with that anxiety. How do we deal with that, the perfect storm of anxiety 
in your life. Let's go to the next verse, uh, verse 7 in Philippians 4, right? And, And remember, Paul has said, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, right? And present your request to God with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, and you won't be anxious. And we do all that stuff, right? We do the stuff that God asks us to do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you're in the perfect storm and all the world's against you, God is still with you and will give you a sense of calm in your heart and in your mind that doesn't make sense to anyone else. The world's falling apart. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have a sense of calm because God is with me. Right? It's this peace that God offers to us. Right? In the midst of your perfect storm, look and cry out for that peace. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but give me the peace that Paul talks about. And you got to remember that when Paul's writing this, he's in prison, right? He's not in a good situation. He's not at home in his nice house, right, with, you know, food in the oven and good friends over, right? He is in prison, and he's talking about the peace of Christ, right? Paul's going to be executed. He's got the peace of Christ in the midst of his life, and that same peace of Christ is offered to all of us. Paul knows all about storms, He was shipwrecked more than one time. And we're going to go to a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts uh, where Paul's been shipwrecked before and he's getting ready to get shipwrecked again. Uh, Paul is going on a ship from Israel across the Mediterranean Sea and his purpose is to go to Italy to take the gospel to Italy in Rome. He's also going to die there. So Paul's making this, this trip uh, he's been on one boat. He's, he's transferring to another boat. There's a lot of different things going on. There's some prisoners on the boat with Paul. Some of Paul's friends are there, like Luke, who wrote the books of Luke and Acts in the New Testament. He's a physician. He's traveling with Paul. Uh, they're now on this big Egyptian grain boat. It's like 100 feet long. It can carry thousands of pounds of grain, but it doesn't do really well in, in heavy winds. And so they're going across the Mediterranean Sea. It's wintertime. They have to find a port to stay in because they're not going to make it all the way to Rome because of the storms. And they've landed in, on the island of Crete, which is off of Greece. And they land in this port. It's called Fair Havens. Right? It's, imagine you know, this, this huge marketing thing about the Chamber of Commerce. Stay the winter time at Port Fair Havens. But Port Fair Havens was a dump, and no one wanted to stay there. And everybody said, We can't stay in Fair Havens for the winter. It's awful. This is not good for business, right? The owner of the ship and the, the leaders of the ship, like, we got to move on to the Port of Phoenix. Phoenix is much better, it's a nicer place. And so we got to get there. But Paul warns them because of his experience, it's not a good idea to leave Fair Havens to go to Phoenix. Right, let's see what Paul teaches us in Acts 27. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to a ship and cargo and to our own lives also. We're going to wreck and we're going to die if we do this, right? But the centurion, a leader of 100 Roman soldiers, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And so guess what they did? They sailed from Fair Havens towards Phoenix on the Mediterranean Sea. And guess what happened? A nor'easter, a hurricane came up, just like Paul said. Right? And for 14 days, imagine two weeks, this hurricane beat and bashed the ship. Imagine being on a ship 
with the waves crashing, the lightning coming, no sun raining for two weeks. It's a miracle that the boat didn't sink. These guys are throwing up. They're scared for their lives. They're out of food, right? It's the worst possible situation that could be happening. Let's see what happens next, right? After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, this is his great I told you so speech, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. You should have listened to me. You're going to live, but we're going to crash, right? So what does Paul do? He rebukes them, right? You're having anxiety now because you didn't do the right thing, right? But he's saying, okay, you messed up, but it's not the end of the world. We've got to face the consequences, but you're going to have another chance. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how some of the anxiety in our lives comes upon us, not because of anything that we do, because of circumstances or what other people do to us. And we also talked about how sometimes anxiety in our lives comes to our lives because we make bad decisions. We do the wrong things and we bring anxiety to our life. And sometimes we need to be uh, held accountable for that. That's what Paul's doing, right? You have anxiety, guys, because you've messed up. Now you need to, to, to ask for forgiveness and let's move forward. Let's make the best of it, right? In your life right now, if you're facing a storm or a perfect storm, what part of that storm is something that you're responsible for? Maybe it's, hey, God said not to have sexual relationships outside of marriage, and I've done that, and I've made a mess of my life. God said, don't go into a lot of debt chasing after stuff that's not going to make you happy, but I spent all this money that I didn't have, and now I'm into a mountain of debt, and I don't know how I'm going to get out of that, right? Some of us have chased after careers and spent time with our businesses and we've neglected our family and those relationships are in major turmoil and it's not a good situation. When we are in a storm of our own making and we've brought a lot of anxiety, we need to be held accountable. But God says, I'm with you and I will forgive you and I will help you pick up the pieces. And I think that's something that we learned from Paul here. Guys, you messed up. Right? And we're facing some tough circumstances, but it's not over, right? God's giving us a second chance. God's giving you a second chance if your storm is self-produced, right? So let's see how Paul offers them some hope. He said, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Brian, can you just leave that up for a second? I want to in that verse 23, there's three things quickly I want to show you that, that we can take hope in when we are facing storms of our own doing, right? An angel of God, right? God sent an angel to Paul. When we're in trouble, God sends people to help us. Sometimes it's a spiritual messenger from God that's an angel, and sometimes it's an everyday person like your neighbor or your family, right? If you're in a storm right now, look, God will send you someone to help you. Right? So Paul had an angel, a messenger from God, right? To whom I belong. Right? There's a place for you with God. God has a place for you in God's life. There's a place for you in heaven, right? You belong to God, 
Right? So if you're in anxiety right now, know that you belong to God. God has a place for you in God's plan. And you're not lost without this anchor. And then Paul says, and whom I serve. Right? When we have anxiety, one way to combat that is to serve God, to do good, to help other people. Right? to volunteer at the room at the end, to come to the concert to help raise money to fight against human trafficking, human slavery, right? When we help other people in the name of God, that eases our anxiety. So there's three things right there that Paul says, right? That God sends us someone to help us. God has a place for us and we can serve God. And those are ways that we can combat anxiety. And there's one more lesson here that I, that I see in this is that the sailors reacted to anxiety, but Paul responded. And what I mean by that is, you know, the sailors, they were anxious. They didn't want to stay in Fair Havens. They wanted to go to Phoenix. They had all this anxiety about, oh, it's not, it's wintertime. We can't stay here, blah, 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 blah. They had like this gut reaction to their anxiety. But Paul took a step back, right? He thought, he prayed about it, and he responded in a calm way. Right? How many of us, when we face anxiety, we have our gut reaction and we run with that and we make it even worse, right? Rather than saying, hey, you know what? I'm stressed right now. I need to take a step back. I need to pray about this. I need to talk to somebody about this before I make a decision, right? So a reaction can get us into a lot of trouble, but a, a calm and measured response can help us. Right? Now, sometimes, Pastor Kyle, we should listen to our reactions, right? A bus is coming. Our brain says, jump out of the way. Absolutely, right? You got to react to that. But sometimes, like, we're having a hard time at work. I'm feeling anxious at work. I need to get out of here. I'm going to quit my job. I don't have a plan B, right? right? That's not the reaction that we're talking about, right? Paul said, you guys want to make a gut decision. I think it's the wrong decision. Let's step back. Let's pray about this, right? Why don't we stay here rather than making a rash decision, right? So when we're anxious, rather than making a quick reaction, make a calm Take your time. Let's figure this out. Uh, response. Does that make sense? It's like it's not make an immediate reaction, but take a take some time, just like Paul. Right. All right. So let's come back uh, to what he said about the storms and the ships. Right. They were going to be saved, but they did crash. Right. So they were shipwrecked. They had to wait on rescue. All that kind of stuff. In our lives, we all know that there are going to be storms. Some of the storms we cause, some of the storms other people cause, sometimes the storms just happen. And sometimes we're going to lose ships. We're going to lose a job. We're going to lose some of the stuff that we love. Sometimes we're going to lose a relationship. And in the midst of even all those challenges and all the anxiety that comes, God says, you can still have my peace. Even in the midst of what you're going through, God says, I am with you and I will give you a sense of calm. You might not know what's coming next, but I will be with you and you can navigate this. And Paul's the example, right? He was in prison, he was beaten, he was tortured, right? He was killed, he was shipwrecked, he was snakebitten, all this stuff. And yet he still writes about the joy that he has and the peace and the calm that nothing could take it. right? Nothing could take Jesus or this peace away from Paul. So I want to look at 4, 7 one more time. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to look at that first phrase. It doesn't say the peace from God, does it? Right? That God will send us some kind of peace. It says the peace of what? The peace of God. 
that we can have the literal peace of God. How do you think Jesus faced the betrayal of his disciples, right? Of, right, the disciples that abandoned him, right? The disciple uh, Judas that sold him out. How do you think he dealt with that? How do you think Jesus dealt with the crowds and the mockery? How do you think Jesus stood in front of Pilate and Herod, right? You talk about anxiety, you're on trial for your life or something you didn't really do. How do you think Jesus faced the anxiety of carrying the cross and being tortured? How do you think Jesus faced the anxiety of being killed on a cross, being crucified, right? He did it, and he had the peace of God within him, right? And we think that there's no way we can have a similar peace because Jesus is God, and we're not, right? And and there's some logic in that, absolutely. But what Paul just writes in 4-7, can you bring it up one more time, Brian? And the peace of God, will trans, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The same peace that Jesus had in this earth, you can have it too. I can have it too, right? You can have the peace of Jesus in your life. If Jesus could face anxiety of abandonment and betrayal and being put on trial for something he didn't do, of being tortured and killed, right? And he got through that, God offers you the very same peace. So whatever you're going through, you can face because the same peace of Christ, the same peace of Christ, Paul says we can have, right? That's powerful, right? That's powerful. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think this is what what it is. Leave your concerns with God, right? We can lay them before God. And here are a few ways that we can tap into that. One is replace if only with already, right? If only I had this, I'd be happy. If only I had that, I would live life to the full. If only I had this, I wouldn't be stressed. What do I already have? What has God done for you in your life? What are the good things that God has done for you, right? Another thing that we can do, right? Claim the peace of Christ. God, I'm going through a very difficult circumstance. The perfect storm's happening, right? It's, it's blowing, right? I'm getting hammered here. I need the same peace that Jesus had when he stood before Pilate and Herod when he carried the cross, right? If you can sustain Jesus through that, you can sustain me. Give me the peace that Paul is talking about that you say I can have. And then finally, right, respond rather than react, right? Don't go with that immediate knee-jerk reaction of, oh man, I'm anxious, I gotta do this, I gotta get on the boat, we gotta leave Fair Haven. Take a step back and pray and be calm and talk to God, talk to people before you make that gut reaction so that you can deal with the anxiety in your life and not make your circumstances worse. So again, I want to ask you right now in your life, what storm are you facing? Is it a work storm? Is it a school storm? Is it a relationship storm? Is it a physical health storm? Right? What, what's the storm? Are you facing more than one? Right? Are they converging like the perfect storm? One, two, three major things that are messing your life up and you don't know how to deal with the anxiety. What are those storms? And I want to leave you with this good word. You may be facing the perfect storm.